Jason, we got Dustin on the line. What do you want to ask him? When you're just starting and you don't have this this track record of successfully syndicating multiple deals, how do you effectively leverage a partner's capital? Yeah, I mean, there there's two ways that kind of come to mind as far as, you know, uh, so you, you could ask for that proof of funds from your guy. You could just say, you know, hey, I, I have a capital partner and they're naturally going to ask, well, does the partner need to see the property before you know, moving forward or anything like that? Um, another thing that you could think about doing is, um, and this is what I did. So I, I partnered up with someone that was a little more, had a little more experience than I did. Basically, I was kind of borrowing his resume a little bit. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high yield returns through apartment complex investing. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe with Four Oaks Capital. Uh, very excited. It's another great show. We've got an Ask the Expert episode coming up right now. Uh, we've got experienced investor Dustin Miles and an aspiring investor, Jason Veely. So Dustin, you're first up. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, welcome to the show and then tell us about yourself. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's great meeting you uh, earlier this summer down in Absolutely. Texas. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm I'm in Texas. I'm in Fort Worth, and mm-hmm. uh, you know went to you know won't um, belabor too long. But you know my background is in engineering. I uh, went mm-hmm. to UT Austin for engineering and was an engineer at a defense contractor uh, for a long time. And you know I've had an interest in real estate. Started on the single family side, like a lot of people started that. Mm-hmm. 12, 13 years ago, and then started investing passively in multifamily uh, about 10 years ago. And then okay. likewise saw, and so kind of dove in and started putting deals together. And so put my first deal together in 2014, so 109 doors and bought it for about uh, a little over 4 million bucks and put together mm-hmm. about 1.7 in equity. Uh, so I've done 11 of those, I've sold six and uh, number seven is on the market to sell right now. So nice. You know, you, I think you had the, the foresight that I wish I had, you know, uh, it sounds like you, you got into single family. You said 12, 13 years ago, was that right after the crash or, or pre-crash? Yeah, it was right in, in crash. It was crashing. <laughs> okay. It was crashing. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I bought my first single family rental in 2007 pre-crash and my second one in 2008 while the market was sliding down, not knowing where it would bottom out. I just figured, yeah, you know, might as well. But so, so going from single family to multifamily, what what was that transition like for you? I mean, you know, there there were, you know, there's some skill sets that that kind of transfer over. I mean, there's the mm-hmm. skill set of really, I mean, I think of just having to hustle and project management, and um, you know, so I think those are kind of the biggest things that transfer over. But um, you know, it was a it was a, you know it was a good process. Um, I don't think it was, you know, obviously doing your first deal and all that, um, it was, you know, it was nerve wracking and, you know, I was 
not only putting up a lot of my own money, but a lot of other people's money was on the line as well. And so, you know, um, that was at a time. So this was 2014. So a lot of people, yeah. at least within our my circles, uh, people kept on thinking that, you know, we're waiting for uh, everything to sit, slip back into a recession. That's mm-hmm. That was the mindset yeah. at the time. And so, um, yeah, you know, it was, it was nerve wracking and all that. And it was, I was pretty nervous signing on, you know, multi-million dollar loan documents, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, you, uh, you know, I had a, I had a coach, so that helped. Um, mm-hmm. I also, you know, uh, partnered up with someone who had a little more experience than I did. So that mm-hmm. helped. Um, so I'm a big believer in, in coaches and, and in, uh, you know, this is a team sport and, yeah. you know, I grew up playing soccer. So, you know, felt, uh, felt like just another sport to me. And makes it makes it makes it sound easy. Uh, now, um, just just the price you said four million for a hundred and eight units. I mean, uh, where where was this this property? Uh, it's in Haltom City. It's uh, real close to Fort Worth in the DFW okay. area. All right, so you're roughly twenty thousand um, dollars. If my math's right, no, forty thousand dollars a unit. Yeah, roughly forty thousand a unit. Now, um, j- just out of curiosity, what do you think that property is worth right now? Well, I sold it to a friend of mine who is was also a passive investor in the deal. I actually asked her about that the other day. Uh, let me what, see what it is per door. Uh, it's about it's probably about 110, 115 a door right now. Okay, yeah, just it's it's always fun to look at like historical prices. You know, a lot of people will ask the question like like right now. You say in two thousand fourteen, everyone was talking about slipping back into a recession. You know, right now I hear a lot of people talking about, you know, since the real estate market's gone, gone up for so long, people are talking about, is there a crash? Is there a bubble? Is it coming back down? But, uh, um, you know, one thing I always see is, you know, real estate prices just keep on going up, you know, so 40,000 a door to, you know, a six figure in, you know, seven years, that's, that's, that's a pretty good appreciation rate. So I wish I had a crystal ball to be honest with you, but uh, I wish I would have bought everything under the sun. So I know. I know. I think. I think we'll look back to 2021 and think the same thing. You know, right. Right now, another big question that people always say is, "It looks like everyone's overpaying. The prices are, are crazy, out of whack." Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I think five years from now, everybody's going to be saying the same thing. I wish I would have bought, you know, a lot more in 2021. Yeah, I mean, everybody's been saying the same thing, you know, over yeah. Yeah, the past 10 years, and I think you're right. And I, I wish we would have bought. Um, wish we had bought more during COVID. There was definitely <laughs> a little bit of a discount there. So. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was a little more opportunity. A lot of people went to the sidelines, you know, and so, you know, the, the few people that were able to jump in on it, um, we closed on five in 2020 and oh, wow. uh, um, yeah. And it was a great year for us. 2021, we've only closed on one. So, you know, a little, little different, but uh, um yeah, I, I I just wish those those five were larger. You know, we had a couple of small properties, a couple of large properties, but uh, um, anyway, it was definitely a good year for us. But uh, I agree. You know, I wish I still wish we would have closed on more. Yeah, that that said, um, so what's what's different now? You know, so you started with 2014. You said you had a coach. You you linked up with somebody um, with more experience on the deal. You know, how, how have you progressed from there? 
Yeah. Uh, so from there, so that was, you know, the first two deals were, you know, had had a coach and partnered up with someone. And then um, actually after that first deal, I started partnering up with other people because mm-hmm. at the time, no one, you know, there weren't, there just weren't that many people in multifamily. Yeah. And so I started partnering up with some people. And so, you know, that's how I was able to you know, grow. And because at the time I worked full time as an engineer. <laughs> and so I was, you know, um, doing this on the side and all that. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I kind of progressed in that manner. I'm, you know, uh, no longer, it was a, I was in uh, lifestyles and then um, was in Brad Simock's program mm-hmm. and not neither uh, anymore, but, um, you know, still have a lot, a lot of friends over there and uh, definitely grew a lot over there for sure. So, but, um, you know, in terms of what things look like, you know, today so we've kind of shifted, you know, from that BC, um, we're, you know, more looking at a assets and, mm-hmm. and there's a, there's a few, you know, reasons you know behind that, but, um, you know, so that's kind of what we're looking at. And then, you know, the, uh, deal size initially was, you know, probably in that for a, a lot of years was probably in that five to 10 range. And then mm-hmm. now we're, we're kind of in that uh, 20 to about 55 million range. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. Well, what do you find to be the biggest difference between, you know, like the $10 million range and the 20 to $50 million range? Uh, there, I mean, you know, it's really, it's a lot of, it's the same work. And so mm-hmm. it's like, well, if it's the same work, you might as well get, I just think of it in terms of a pie, mm-hmm. um, you know, you know, it's all the same work, you know, do you want a small, smaller pie or do you want a bigger pie? And so, mm-hmm. um, so that was, you know, um, you know, kind of, kind of part of the shift. And then the other part of the shift is, you know, with, with cap rates being as compressed as they are, I, I think a, a newer product um, might at least where we're at and all that mm-hmm. um, is, is kind of a safer bet. Um, just, you know, when you're looking at exit caps and all that, you're, so if you go back and you look at a CBRE cap rate survey, and we, we've, we've looked at them for the past 10 mm-hmm. years. And so if you look at, you know, your, your A exit cap, it just doesn't move as much. B moves more and then C yep. moves even more. And so just from a risk perspective, you know, we really like, uh, you know, we really like that kind of first gen value add a mm-hmm. minus deal stuff that's built in the two thousands. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think from, from a lot of perspective there, there's less risk involved, which, you know, is, is why you have that more stable cap rate. So a yeah, lot, lots of good reasons on that one. So if, if you would, please, let's, let's talk about, you know, one specific deal that you've done and, you know, maybe give us a little bit of details on, on how it sh- shook out. Uh, well, this uh, one deal was, was pretty interesting. It was, uh, it's in Waco, Texas. Mm-hmm. I've bought and sold it. I don't remember when we bought it exactly. I think it was, December of 16, mm-hmm. I think um, we held it for about two and a half years, but um, this was a, um, it was a uh, CMBS assumption, mm-hmm. loan assumption and Fannie Mae and all that, or Freddie Mac, you know, you loan assumptions. I've done a few of those and, mm-hmm. and those aren't, aren't too bad. It's, it's kind of a, a known process. Well, CMBS, it's it's a little bit of a, a little bit of the wild wild west um, mm-hmm. in some ways. 
And uh, so anyways, just a, it was more difficult process. We were buying the deal and this was 2016, 17. So we were buying the deal at 33 a door. Mm-hmm. And, you know, which then and in Waco was, was a really good deal. And um, so anyways, but it, it ended up taking us uh, nine months to close the deal. Wow. So the lender came in and they brought their, they brought their engineer in and they wanted us to do all these repairs. It was far and beyond anything. You know, they wanted us to, they've had the loan for just two years, but they wanted us to replace the windows. They wanted us to replace all the water heaters. They wanted us to, you know, replace X, Y, and Z. And so, I mean, it totaled, you know, about probably three, 400 K and I mean, that was our, our total budget. We weren't planning on a lot of those mm-hmm. items. And um, so anyways, we, there was a lot of back and forth. And so we, we basically told the seller, we're like, well, the, the lender's going to make you do all of this regardless. So this isn't just our problem. This is your problem because, you know, we, we could walk. Yes. And so we, we ended up it, the, the back and the reason why it took so long it was a back and forth of really just trying to get the, the lender down on the immediate repairs needed. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up, I think it started at 350. And so we got it down to, I think we got it down to 150 or hundred. And so basically the, the seller gave us a credit for a hundred K and, and then, you know, we went ahead and closed it and all that. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, that was a, uh, it was a, um, you know, bumpy, deal to begin with. And then mm-hmm. we got into the property and we had to, we had to evict, um, you know, a decent number of people. They were, I mean, the, the, uh, main or the, uh, management staff had been on cruise control for nine months. And so they're like, Oh yeah, come on in. You know, just, yep, they, yep. Were just they were just told to keep it full. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so anyways, you know, one of the folks that they let in and we don't have proof or anything, we didn't have cameras, but you know, they, uh, we were evicting someone, they were, uh, it was, you know, they were calling our manager, every name in the book. And then magically the next day, our uh, office was burned down. And so, you know, anyways, it was, it was interesting, but, um, we, we didn't end up catching him there. Uh, we did evict him and he, uh, I guess he just liked to hang around the complex. And so, uh, he had, uh, when, when refund checks, tax refund checks were coming, he, mm-hmm. he broke into the mailboxes and accidentally cut himself and, and bled on the the mailboxes and and so that so the cops got him on that so which is a federal offense for stealing mail yeah yeah absolutely Anyways. yeah i mean people people talk about the horror tenants i i don't think i've heard one worse than that you know bill burning down the the leasing office allegedly burning down the leasing office and then breaking into the mailbox to steal refund checks wow that's uh that's pretty bad. Um, I, I assume this has like a, at least a, a happy ending, you know, once, once you get yeah. a full cycle on it. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah, we about doubled our money in mm-hmm. two and a half years. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. And we had, you know, we, we bought it at a, I think an eight or nine cap, we sold it at six and a half caps. So obviously mm-hmm. there's 
gap rate compression there, but, you know, we also raised rents quite a bit. We did water conservation. Uh, they mm-hmm. weren't billing back water. So we started doing that. They had a cable contract. It wasn't a big one, but it was, you know, it was 25,000. And so yeah. I mean, you can divide 25,000 by six and a half cap and, you know, and that's, that's a lot really of money. Great. So, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, we, we're actually looking at the same thing right now. Um, we got a little small deal that we're looking at in Augusta, and they've got uh, it's a ten thousand dollar a year cable contract, and um, literally just got off the phone with somebody saying, "Hey, see if we can cancel that, you know, as soon as we we close." Because, yeah, ten thousand dollars, and and Augusta is looking at a five cap right now, so that's that's a big swing in, in dollars. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, C class five five cap, I think you know. Three years ago, people would have told you you're crazy if you were buying C class at five caps, but actually, this is a B class anyway. Um, yeah, long, lot of, lot of goodness there. But uh, um, so, shifting gears slightly, just want to jump into your motivation. You know, what's what's your big burning why for for doing this and for being being successful in general? Well, it it's definitely it's shifted. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I've you know left my job and all that. So initially it was, I, I, you know, wanted to, you know, I wanted to leave my job and basically have time flexibility. And, um, it wasn't that I, I was never a person that, cause I'm a big believer. And if, you know, if, if you don't, you, you know, unless it's just a toxic situation, but you know, I, I didn't, you know, my, I had a good job and mm-hmm. the people I worked with were great and, you know, a lot of what I worked on was pretty interesting. I mean, I got to go, you know, I was around F-35s and, mm-hmm. and got to be around. I mean, there are $100 million planes and yep. I, I thought that was cool. So, um, so anyways, you know, I had a had good job and, you know, got every other Friday off and all that. But I've really just wanted, you know, wanted time flexibility. And then for me, I, um, I like a carrot out there mm-hmm. and you know, my job didn't, you know, there just, that wasn't, uh, you know, really an opportunity there. So, um, so anyways, uh, you know, so initially my why was doing that and, and being able to, you know, kind of, uh, travel and all that, uh, it's, it's really, it's shifted, you know, since Mm -hmm. then, um, yeah, I, I guess I would say my, my big why is, is really just to, um, you know, kind of be, uh, a positive influence on, you know, I have, uh, my, my son who, uh, you guys heard earlier before the recording, yep. uh, he's 10 years old. And then I have a bunch of nieces and nephews. And so just being, you know, a positive influence and kind of a bright light, so to speak, uh, for them. And then, you know, um, you know, just kind of just the, uh, I guess world in general, a community in general, just, you know, trying to, you know, show, you know, kind of push, keep pushing those limits and, mm-hmm. and uh, see what's possible. And I kind of, I'm a big believer in, you know, the way you do, um, what's the saying, the way you do anything's the way you do everything. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think a lot of that carries over, you know, just relationships with, you know, friends and family. Uh, you know, I'm involved in a, a nonprofit, uh, can't see it because my background, but it's cancer care services. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just, and then on the physical fitness side, just, you know, trying to push the limits and, uh, you know, one thing that we're, you know, wasn't, wasn't planned or anything, but there's a lot of refugees coming over from Afghanistan right now. Yeah. 
And so I'm working with a few of the uh, different organizations to, you know, because I know a lot of apartment owners. And so amazing, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, hey, <laughs> this is yeah. cool. I, you know, we, I know people who, who have places to live and they have some vacancy and you have mm-hmm. people. So I just, yeah, I'm just matchmaker them and then I get out of the way. So, yeah. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah. A lot, there's seems like there's always refugees from somewhere. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world, but uh, um, you know, being in a position where you can help is, is very, very admirable. So we're not just being in the position, but actually helping is, is very admirable. But uh, um, anyway, that said uh, what's next for you. So we're, we're looking to build a portfolio. You know, we closed on a deal earlier this year. Mm-hmm. It was a 2012 product, 228 units. And, um, you know, so we, you know, we're, we're looking to build or looking to buy, you know, more of that type of product, more of that kind of early 2000s product and really build a portfolio, you know, between Houston and, and DFW. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I wanted to build that up. Um, you know, wanting to do more, you know, uh, outreach and in terms of, you know, I, I love that the, the refugee, I, I don't love that, <laughs> that they're having to leave their country, but that uh, I'm in a position to, um, you know, help and all that. So I really like that um, with cancer care services, we're, you know, we're able to kind of get the word out about how they're able to, you know, help people if, if they do have cancer, hopefully they don't need the service, but if they do, then, you know, cancer care services can help. And it's kind of a win, win, win all around. It helps, you know, helps um, the, uh, the tenant, you know, mm-hmm. could help them financially, uh, could help the apartment complex because they continue to get rent payments. revenue. Yeah. And then, you know, it's no one wants to see an eviction. So, mm-hmm. um, so anyways, but yeah, just kind of continuing to, you know, if there's opportunities that come up and I can help, um, great. And, and we do a lot of, you know, on the investor side, we do a lot of networking, um, you know, both online and in person. And we try to do different webinars and all that, just trying to educate people. I didn't, I didn't know that. I thought you had to be ultra rich to invest in apartments. That's what I always thought. Yeah. And so I, I talk to people every day that they're like, I never knew this was a thing. I didn't know normal people could invest. And so, you know, I, th- I think just kind of continuing to, you know, um, put myself out there and and uh, my business partner put himself out there. And um, yeah, just, uh, you know, um, just, you know, trying to, you know, we are kind of our, our uh, slogan that uh, Hayden came up with. Uh, my business partner. So we, our slogan is, you know, we want to do good deals, with good people. And, um, you know, we, it's uh, for us, it's a lot of fun and we like transforming, you know, um, you know, there there's, these are nicer properties, but we like, mm-hmm. you know, making it, it better and, um, you know, trying to uh, do different things with, with uh, the tenants, you know, different events and things like that, mm-hmm. just trying to improve quality for everybody. All right. I like that. Do good deals with good people. We're going to switch gears one more time here, and we're going to introduce our aspiring investor guest today. It's uh, Jason Veely. So, Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I was excited to get you on the show. And, you know, I know the area you live in fairly well. And like I said, my my business partners are just up the street from you. So, very, very happy to get to know you today. So, 
Um, that said, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, so as he said, my name is Jason Veely, and I born and raised right here uh, around mm-hmm. Wilmington, North Carolina. So real close to the beach. Yeah. Uh, I graduated from UNCW in December of 2015 with my okay. finance degree. And I did a little bit of the uh, financial advisor type work, getting those mm-hmm. licenses and stuff for a little while. But where I've been the last five years is actually in uh, institutional trust funds, uh, specifically in the okay. death care industry. So like pre-need funeral trust funds and cemetery perpetual care trust funds. Um, I currently work as a trust officer uh, for a firm that specializes in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into real estate investing almost two years ago, and I've flipped a handful of houses and I've owned at different points, a couple different rentals, but uh, just recently last month closed on an eightplex, uh, which was really exciting for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I, I've been learning a lot more about syndicating in, in the recent months. So that's been really catching my attention and halfway making me feel like an idiot for putting the down payment or myself for that aplex instead of raising that money. But yeah, you know, so basically now just, just looking for, for the next one. But uh, I also have a wife and three kids, almost four. Um, The fourth one will be born in January. Um, So Lots going on, but uh, definitely looking to get further into the apartment side of things and uh, away from the single family side. Yeah. Well, well, Dustin talked about pies earlier. You know, your eight plex is a, is a smaller pie, but you own a hundred percent of it. You know, so that that pie is all yours. And it's, um, I mean, there's there's different philosophies on which which directions best for investing, but. You know, you have a hundred percent of a small pie versus in a syndication where you have, you know, a very small slice of a much larger pie. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's a great way to start. You know, um, being, you know, a hundred percent owner of an eightplex is 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 solid. So, um, if I were you, I wouldn't feel bad about that. Just uh, you know, learn from it and, and keep on pushing. But I think that's absolutely amazing. You know, eightplex by yourself. You know, good job on that one. So, thank you. Yeah. So talked about your family and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's, that's going to pop out with this next question. What's your big burning? Why? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think as any investor would tell you, one of the primary reasons is, or motivators is, you know, financial independence, time, freedom, um, you know, to be with your family more. Um, but for me as well, you know, my, my sole identity first and foremost is as a believer in Jesus Christ. And, and that's, that's what my world revolves around. And I believe that money is a tool that can be used just as, you know, Dustin mentioned, you know, to use things to support refugees. Uh, I, I believe that, you know, part of my success, you know, will be used for, funding ministries in the future uh, and also on the time side of things by freeing up more of my time, I will be able to physically volunteer in, you know, ministries myself as well. Nice. Nice. Very, very much appreciate that. You know, a lot of, a lot of goodness uh, going on there. Um, So, so that said, um, Jason, we got Dustin on the line. What do you want to ask him? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dustin, thank you for uh, offering to, to answer some questions for me. You know, right now I'm I'm at the beginning stages of trying to find larger deals. You know, I'm I'm still way too nervous to go for a hundred plus unit deals at this point. You know, but I, I think I've got enough resources and knowledge to at least go quite a bit larger than where I'm at now. So m- most of my questions right now that I've got revolve around establishing those relationships with brokers, because so far, most of my deals, I found myself off market, you know, through direct mail. Uh, and so getting up with brokers has been a new experience for me. And I, I've met with a few in my area so far, and I, I want to try to stick to my area, you know, until I feel like I've tapped out those resources a little bit. Um, but I guess I, I feel confident that I understand the lingo of the industry enough to build some of that immediate confidence. But one of the big questions I had was a lot of times when you underwrite deals, you, you, you the number that you would need to purchase it at is way lower than what it's listed for. How do you determine, obviously it's a gray area, it's not a fine line, but how do you determine when your offer would have to be too low where you don't even want to make the offer or submit the LOI, you know, and risk damaging your credibility with that broker, you know, is it, you know, do you say we we're comfortable offering up to, you know, 10% of asking or 20% of asking, or how do you, how do you navigate that? Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would, I would just talk to the broker and uh, you know, so a lot of time, I mean, uh, if if you're way below, I would just tell them and just be upfront and be like, "Hey, look, I'm just you know letting you know, um, you know, this is this is where I'm at. I'm you know, you don't have to give an exact number and all that. You can just say I'm you know I'm uh, half a million off of ask and or a million off of ask or whatever. Um, so I mean, you could just just yeah, I would just be upfront and honest with them and just kind of tell them where you're at. If if they have plenty of interest, then that's probably about where the conversation will end, or maybe they'll talk about another deal. If they don't have a whole lot of interest, they'll you know ask, well, why don't you just go ahead and put something in, or or if they're trying to bump up their offer count or something like that too. But um, or it, yeah, like I said, if they don't have a whole lot of interest, they you know they may just try to try to work you up a little bit to you know because they, they may not have a whole lot going on. So yeah, yeah, I think I think just don't fail to communicate. You know, if you're talking with brokers, always give them feedback. You know, I, I like what Dustin said. Tell them where you're at. Hey, you know, I know the ask price is X. We're at Y right now. Is it even worth our time and your time putting in an offer? And boom, mm-hmm. I think that, that'll go a long way. Thank you. And, and I've had some brokers, especially you know when you're newer to the game, uh, something that you know you may want to do is if you kind of build up rapport with a broker and. And, and maybe you are short on some, uh, I've had some brokers offer to walk through underwriting just to, just to kind of see, you know, it, it just make sure, you know, someone's not missing something. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. 
Cool. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a good good tip. They they may see something or know something that's not in your underwriting or vice versa. And sometimes if you show them your underwriting and you show them something, they've got some good reason to go back to the seller and say, "Hey, it's probably only worth this much because of X or Y or Z." Yep. Gotcha. So cool. I appreciate that. Um, on the same note of you know broker relationships is when you're just when you're just starting and you don't have this this track record of successfully syndicating multiple deals, how do you effectively leverage a partner's capital? If if say I have you know one partner that's you know willing to bring up to a million dollars to the table and I've got absolutely nothing, how do I? I mean, you obviously you don't lead into the broker letting them know you have nothing up front, but you know, if they know that you're younger, you're not as experienced, how do you leverage that person's capital? Do you do you try to get some sort of proof of funds if you're close enough with that person to not necessarily to just give it up front, but maybe offer it? Or I, I guess I'm just in general, how do, how do you help gain earn that confidence other than just knowing the, the lingo? How do you gain that confidence from these brokers? Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's, you know, uh, two ways that kind of come to mind as far as, you know, uh, so you, you could ask for that proof of funds from your guy. You could just say, you know, hey, I, I have a capital partner and they're naturally going to ask, well, does the partner need to see the property before you know, moving forward or anything like that? Um, another thing that you could think about doing is, um, and this is what I did. So I, I partnered up with someone that was a little more, had a little more experience than I did. And um, so basically, you know, I was kind of borrowing his resume a little bit and in a way. And so that might be, you know, you might be able to find someone in your area. And, um, you know, I know there's that, I think there's a North Carolina Facebook group. Um, I can't remember the guys for a buddy of mine, I think runs it. And, um, so anyways, but you might be able to, to go in there and, and, uh, you know, uh, just start networking with people. And, you know, I, I think just trying to, you know, I don't know exactly what you're in and you may not know what your structure, what you want to look like, but, uh, I'm a big believer in just, uh, yeah, I think this is a team sport and, you know, I think you, you need to have, you know, especially as you kind of go up in deal size, um, you know, it takes, takes a lot of people to close these big deals and, um, you know, so don't be afraid to, you know, tap on other people's shoulders and, and see if you could potentially partner up. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, when, when, one thing that really helped me is moving from the word I to the word we, you know, so Dustin mentioned borrowing, you know, the credibility or borrowing the, the, um, the track record of a partner, you know, you can talk about, we, if you have a capital partner that's, that's committed to helping you, you can use the word. We, we have a million dollars in equity right now that we're willing to place, you know, and if you approach the broker with, with that information, you know, that's, that's going to go a long way. You know, we have this, we are looking for this type of product. We have a million dollars or 800,000 or $500,000 in equity right now. And we could potentially raise more. I think what the, what the brokers are really looking for, you know, when, when you sum everything up, they want somebody who can bring the, the full purchase price inside the contract period. 
That is what they're looking for. And if you can come to them and say, I've already got this much money, you know, we have this much money and can raise that much more. The only thing you're lacking is experience and Dustin covered that as well. You know, start networking with people and, you know, find somebody with experience that, that's willing to go in with you. Yeah. Um, one, one thing I was going to mention too, there's a, a book um, that, you know, there it's by Dan Sullivan. It's called Who Not How. Mm-hmm. So, and that's just, you know, kind of, you know, looking to it's, it's just a matter of, you know, Hey, let's team up. And then that's how you get it done as opposed to, you know, how am I going to do this? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard a lot about that book. I'll, I'll have to add it to the list. What's, what's your next question? If I were to come across a, you know, larger deal that underwrote, well, you know, presenting it to guys like you, do you partner with people like me that have less experience in, would you, be interested in something like that? Um, I, so I'll, I'll take it first. Um, mm-hmm. I, we're the, the way we're set up, um, we're pretty much doing, uh, just kind of concentrating on our own deals. Um, however, I, you know, have been, been in this a little while and, um, is while I don't know as many people on the East coast, um, as I, as I'd like to, I could probably introduce you to some people that may have an interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the answer for us is yes. You know, we, we are um, actually doing the same thing for a similar group on a small property in Augusta right now. So they found the property we're coming in as experienced and, you know, basically loan guarantors um, for that particular property. So the answer is yes. And our, our simple criteria, I mean, sounds simple when you say it, but it's really complicated. We got to like the deal. We got to like the people. So, you know, if, if we can find people who meet those two criteria, they have a deal in hand and we like the deal, we like them, you know, we'd be happy to, to talk about potentially partnering. So, um, and one, one thing I would just kind of mention too, along the lines of, you know, partnering up and all that, um, you know, there's, you know, I know you're, I don't know exactly what unit count you're looking for and all that, but, um, you know, with, with the right partners and all that, I wouldn't, if I were you, I wouldn't be afraid to, you know, go start looking at that hundred unit count or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There, and there, there's a lot of people who have different criteria for coming in and different criteria for helping, you know, if, you know, if you have a deal that meets our criteria for syndication and, you know, we, we really like the deal. We will come in and do just about everything we need to get that closed, if that makes sense. So really, I, I think, you know, back to, you know, what Dustin was saying, you know, meet as many people as possible. You'll find different people with different types of criteria. You'll start gravitating towards some and um, eventually you'll, you'll have the right people around you to make magic happen. Who, not how. I'm going to read that book too. Who, not how, but there we go. Well, we're about out of time, so I'm going to ask one last question to each of you. And uh, Dustin, you can go first. Um, how can listeners learn more about you? Uh, yeah, uh, so I'm I'm in, on uh, LinkedIn, uh, just Dustin Miles. Uh, I'm on Instagram, uh, I think Dustin dot Miles. Uh, our uh, website address is just momentummultifamily.com. and uh, my email is just Dustin at MomentumMultifamily.com. All right. Super easy. And we'll put that information in the show notes. Jason, same question for you. Yeah. Um, I do have a 
small website that I use for my house flipping business called capefearcashoffer.com. But there's not a whole lot of info on there. But to connect with me personally, you can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, um, or uh, Bigger Pockets. I've got a profile on there that shows some of the, the deal history of, of what I've done. But um, my email address is investments at gmail.com. Veely is spelled V-E-L-I-E. But I'm um, happy to help in any way I can. Uh, feel free to reach out anytime. All right. And once again, we'll put that information in the, the show notes. So if anybody wants to reach out to Dustin or Jason, please do. And, you know, super simple, you know, tap, swipe and tap and um, you'll get whisked away to their, their contact info. So that said, Dustin, Jason, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Very much appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, appreciate it. Thanks Dustin. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Jason. See you. Likewise. See you. Thank you for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show, so pull out your phone, tap subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week.